When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's going great. How about yourself, Keith? Good. It's been a busy week. It has been. It's been a busy pop, 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 pop week. Ooh, it's been very busy, and Keith is very excited to tell you why. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you why in just a second, because as always, the billboard, what a lame tease. We promise you it'd be great. This I promise you it'd be we great. We promise. That, that makes it sound like we have sync on the show. We don't have sync on the show. Uh, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats, and stories new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time is back at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart for a mighty 16th week, and for the first time since July. So how'd the album get back to number one after so long? Well, we'll tell you in just a moment. Plus, Ed Sheeran's new Autumn Variations album, which was only announced about a month before its release, debuts in the top five on the Billboard 200, while NSYNC returns to the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart for the first time in over 20 years as Better Place debuts on the list and across our airplay charts. We'll fill you in on all the details later on in the show. Also on the show... I went to see Pink. Hey! And I haven't told Keith all about it, so I'm going to. And also, we know that Drake dropped an album and Bad Bunny has announced a new album, so the big hitters are back. Uh, Keith, you went to a show too, didn't you? I did. I went and saw Jesse Ware last night. Okay, we'll, we'll trade stories on Pink and Jesse Ware, though. Friend of the podcast, Jesse Ware. Oh, what right. Else? What else? There's wait. more. But wait, there's more. Plus, we've got an interview with Kylie Minogue. Yay. We caught up with the pop superstar backstage at the Grammy Museum here in Los Angeles to talk about her new album, Tension, her upcoming run of shows at the Voltaire Club in Las Vegas, and much more. So uh, stick around for our delightful chat in just a bit. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time returns to number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart, rising three to one and notching a 16th non-consecutive and total week atop the list. It earned 74,500 equivalent album units in the United States in the week ending October 5th, and that was up 2%. All that, of course, is according to Luminate. One Thing at a Time continues to have the most weeks at number one among all albums since Adele's 21 logged 24 non-consecutive weeks atop the list in 2011 and 2012. 
One Thing at a Time debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart dated March 18th and spent its first 12 weeks at number one. It then stepped aside for two weeks and then returned for another three weeks in a row at number one back in uh, June and July. And then now, in its 31st week on the chart, the album returns to number one. You might wonder, how did it do it? Yes. What was the cause? What pushed it back? Nothing. It was just a real soft week. Where's the vinyl release and the uh, the ticket bundle? <laughs> God. Uh, none of the above. None of the above. It was just a very soft week. In fact, I wrote this in my story online. It was the uh, smallest unit total for a number one album since I think it was like May of 2022. Mm. So uh, really, someone someone could have – I mean, someone did drop an album. Ed Sheeran dropped a new album. But uh, it was a very, very quietly for very, Ed, for Ed for Ed. He didn't have like months and months of like promo, right? And, and his album Autumn Variations, which might as well talk about it now. Uh, he earns his seventh top ten charting album on the Billboard 200 as Autumn Variations debuts at number four. Uh, it's his actually second top five debut of 2023, following the Subtract album back in May. Uh, the new album earned 62,000 units in its first week with album sales comprising about 46,500 of that, making it the top-selling album of the week. And Autumn Variations, as as KD hinted at, uh, had kind of a little runway. It was only announced on August 24th, and that was about a month before the album actually dropped on September 29th. And I don't think there's actually any official singles from the album. Yeah, but he did, he did like, some cute little promo along the way. Like, I mean, I got to see him open quote-unquote, for John Mayer at a charity show a couple weeks ago. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, returning a favor from uh, John opening for him in Boston over did the like summer. A, like a pub crawl, like a, a viral pub He did a pub, pub crawl. crawl in New York. Um, he uh, showed up at uh, somebody's wedding uh, chapel in Las Vegas and played a song. And played a bunch of uh, fans' living rooms. He did the uh, Amazon Music Live um, after Thursday Night Football the week before the album came out. For, so he did some things. Yeah, he, yeah, it's not like he didn't do any promo. No, it's just uh, he. It, this was a quieter release in terms of the sort of the normal like brouhaha that comes. With We've got good tabs album. on Ed, by the way. I can't believe we just rattled off half a dozen things he did. <laughs> yeah, none of that was in front of us <laughs> <Right>. either. <laughs> um, a, a former coworker of, of mine, I think he was here. Before oh, stumbled you, on the pub crawl, right? Yeah, Wes Orshowski, uh I guess uh, he posted it to Facebook and was like, "This did this this guy served me. I think he served him beer. That's somewhere. so fun." And and he was like, "It's Ed Sheeran." That's like, so fun. I love that. That's 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 amazing. Random, cool, <laughs> great moment. Uh, lastly, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, as Doja Cat's "Paint the Town Red" logs a third week at number one. Jungkook and Jack Harlow's 3D debuts at the top five. It's the second top ten for BTS's Jungkook and the fourth for Harlow. Meanwhile, further down the list, NSYNC returns to the chart for the first time in over 20 years as Better Place debuts at number 25. It ties for the act's highest debut ever on the Hot 100 uh, with their debut hit, I Want You Back, which also began at number 25 on the March 7th, 1998 dated chart. Oh, that's cute. I didn't realize that little fun fact. Yeah, that's a nice uh, sort of full circle moment. Yeah. Better Place also debuts at number 21 on the Radio Songs chart, number 12 on Adult Pop Airplay, number 13 on the Adult Contemporary chart, and number 16 on Pop Airplay. That's a huge radio start. It's a, Yeah, like c- clearly the the huge driver here was 
Radio. Yes. Uh, which I guess isn't that Radio surprising. was ready for NSYNC. Yeah. <laughs> On radio songs, uh, that is actually the highest debut by a group since 1994 huh. when Boys to Men's I'll Make Love to You started at number 15. On the pop airplay and adult pop airplay charts, Better Place is the highest debut ever by a group. And on the adult contemporary chart, this is the highest debut for a group excluding holiday songs since Luminate Data began powering the chart in July of 1993. Wow. So welcome back in sync. Radio clearly loves you. Indeed. Let's see how long. I wonder I wonder if this is going to be like a dance the night situation where the song will sort of like continue to grow. Yeah, because just like uh, uh, with the Barbie soundtrack, Dance the Night was the first single, um, and so it had time before the movie came out, and then once people embraced the movie so wholeheartedly, it continued to be beloved at radio after the movie's release, too. So Trolls doesn't come out until the week before Thanksgiving. I mean, we're talking November, like late November, mid-November. And, and, so, and you're a Trolls aficionado. Huh. These, these movies... Trolls movies tend to sort of have long legs, don't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think, you know, Can't Stop the Feeling, of course, is from oh, yeah, that the first song. Trolls movie, which debuted at number one in the that Hot 100. The Trolls movie? Mm-hmm. And then the second Trolls movie had some, like, minor hits, um, a song with SZA. Um, oh, right. You know, that was, like, the other side, I think it was. What that it? one feels like it really should have been a bigger hit. Yeah, hands. I mean, I still love that song. I don't it's know a really why that cute didn't song. work. Yeah, that's Yeah, weird. so it, I think that we have two examples of how things worked before with the Trolls movies and and this might be falling somewhere in the center of that you know what we need oh see it kind of conflicts with like sort of our hopes for in sync but justin timberlake needs a greatest hits package you know he Cause, could because he has all these loose singles that you know yeah like you know the stuff like with nelly and timberland timberland timber timberland timberland and like all of his troll songs and all of his solo. Oh, like, he has plenty. Work. I mean, I think we're looking at something like 25 singles from Justin at this point. Well, that's too many for a greatest hits. Well, I think, you know, Spotify would beg to differ. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I. I you I, want a physical package. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, you wouldn't want a pretty color vinyl that you could display <laughs> course, and maybe course. play someday. Anyway. Uh, all right. Should we do a little concert story time, Keith? Sure. So I went to Pink at SoFi Stadium last week. It was Thursday. Um, she is on her summer carnival tour, the which Ringling is... The Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Pink base, show. Basically, I mean, it truly was a carnival. I mean, it was... Everyone knows that Pink does these wonderful aerial, you know, displays throughout her show. But uh, it was next level to see all of it in one place like this because she sprinkles it in throughout the show, um, you know, with smaller bits like in the just like in the main show and then she ends with so what and literally flies around the stadium like peter pan like the entire circumference of sofi she is flying around if you wherever you were you had a really close look at her during that final number because she just she hits every mark and is flying over everyone or in front of everyone it was crazy wow absolutely crazy wow Had had you seen pink before I saw her open for Justin Timberlake on the Future Sex Love Sounds uh, tour uh, in, you know, whatever that was, 2007 or something. I kind of remember like she was opening for him here, but in Europe and Australia, I think at that point she was already headlining arenas. Yeah. Like she, uh, Pink, Pink became an arena and stadium star outside of America before America mm. – 
uh, got with the program, basically. Yeah. Um, well, she's filling up stadiums here now, I yeah. can tell you. And this, um, and this tour is going to continue on. Now it's going to start playing arenas, I think, yes. in the next week. Yes, so basically she's got uh, uh, like maybe one more of these carnival stadium dates, and she just wrapped one in uh, Vegas on Saturday. And then she starts her Trustfall tour, which is named after her most recent album, and that one will be in arenas across the country. Can so, I ask a question? Please. Did you see any of the support acts? I, I saw all of them. So who? So Pat Benatar was one of them. Yeah, Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo were the ones right before the main show. Um, she, I mean, she was excellent. Her voice sounds amazing. I've never seen Pat Benatar live. Oh my gosh, her voice sounds so amazing. Like, Which is ridiculous considering that she's been like sort of on the scene since the late seventies. I <laughs> would love to speak with her voice coach because I feel like she she clearly treats. She takes care of her does, instrument. Does she treat it right? She treats it right. Treat it right. Um, she, yeah, and, and then Neil's amazing on guitar. Like, they were just so fun. It was just such an, it was a perfect, Paul, or uh, sorry, it was a perfect pink warm-up because, you know, you're expecting the powerhouse vocals. You're expecting, the, like, amazing, so, so, like, every song you know. And that was like, this is the warm-up? We get to see Pat Benatar? Which is, yeah, basically a superstar. Yes. So, yeah. And that was her last date on the tour, too, because oh. um, Brandy Carlisle has also been supporting. So she was in Vegas and she'll be at the next one, I think, as well. Um, but yeah, so that was Pat's last time. So she actually came out on stage during Pink's proper concert for oh. the first time during this tour. Oh. And um, Pink has been performing a mashup of uh, her song Just Like Fire with Heartbreaker Ooh. by Pat Benatar. Oh. And so this time, Pat and Neil came out and performed Heartbreaker with Pink and her band. Wow. Um, so we'd actually seen them do Heartbreaker in the warm-up set, and then she came back out and did it. And uh, Pink also has excellent backup singers that you know do that really high harmony stuff on that Heartbreaker song, you know, with that the climax of that song, where it's like got all the harmonies to like, yeah, that you know, and doing all the layers. <laughs> well, this time we got Pink, Pat, all three of these amazing backup vocalists. It was powerful. I had goosebumps. Wow. And she wasn't the only special guest of the night. Yeah, I heard. Who else showed up? Five songs in, like five songs in when you're just you're ramping up. Alanis Morissette came out to do You Ought to Know with Pink. Well, didn't Pink actually just start singing You Ought to Know and then just Alanis waltzed out so and So she kind of did a little intro where she said that tonight we're going to be celebrating the women of rock. So she kind of set the audience up for like there are going to be women, plural, um, out here. And then she kicked into You Ought to Know and I'm like, I said to my friend, I'm holding on to my friend. I'm like, Alanis is here. She's coming out. She's here. She's coming. And then all of a sudden she appeared like the Canadian rock goddess she is from backstage. And we all lost our minds. Like the whole place lost their minds. Wow. It was very fun. Wow. Very fun. Um, Were there... Was there? You said I saw all the opening acts. Was there another opening act? Before yeah, that group love. Oh, um, which I have to say, I I knew tongue tied, but I forgot there was another song that I was like, oh, they had another huge single that I totally spaced on. Um, that I'm now spacing out again. This is a pretty, a, a, th- three, three, a, a pretty solid, yes. lengthy evening. And then they had a DJ, too, who, like, started things out and did played in between all the opening acts and Pink, too. So it was like a, it was a full show, a full carnival. There were elephants outside. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it was an absolutely epic show. If you have the chance to see Pink, please see her. No matter if you think you only like, like, one or five or six or eight Pink songs, she has more than you could even possibly remember because she just has been doing this since uh, 2000. So we're talking about 23 years. That's when she made her Billboard uh, chart debut was in 2000. She, she has so many hits that she probably couldn't do a whole 
good chunk of them, unfortunately. I knew every single song. And you know what was a really fun song live? Never Gonna Not Dance Again. <laughs> and I remember when that first debuted and we were like chuckling over that hilarious title that has all sorts of double negatives, etc. Which uh, Max Martin co-wrote with Pink, by the way. That was a fun live number, and I feel like if everyone had the chance to see that song live, it would have been a much bigger hit, because it was so fun. Super fun. Yeah. There you go. What about Jesse Ware? Oh, right. So it was so fun. It was like a fun house. Yes. Get it? (laughs) Perfect transition. Yeah, yeah, I saw Jesse Ware in a slightly more intimate venue. The Palladium. The Palladium, which isn't that, I mean, it's like a, I don't know, what would you call it? A theater club? Yeah, it's because good. it's it's a wide open floor, yeah, it's just and so it's great for people like Jesse. I also saw Robin there. It's great for people that you literally want a dance floor. You oh know? yeah, and people were dancing up a storm. Huge, yeah. Um, it looked like it was sold out. Um, also, the Palladium is a beautiful historic venue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a lengthy show. I feel like she she performed a, a range of hits from her entire career. Kind of leaned into kind of the more dancey bits. I think from. Um, you know, the recent albums. Um, uh, but yeah, she seemed really thrilled to be there and she put on a great show. I uh, I lived for the DJ that played beforehand, mm. which I know sounds dumb, but like I noticed stuff like that. But I'm like the DJ beforehand. Oh, was, it sets the whole scene for the night. The DJ was playing um, We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off by Jermaine Stewart, oh, playing song. Donna Summer, uh, Diana Ross, uh, just just lots of throwback disco dancey stuff, like setting setting the tone. And then uh, Jesse comes out, and she sounded great. I mean, Jesse has an amazing voice to begin with. Um, I think she was a little under the weather. I mean, she mm. was coughing at at moments. Oh, so, that's that's rough. Yeah, for her. And so she was still able to make it through. But she had uh, two uh, backing dancers who I think were also singers. Who it looked like they were playing instruments too. Oh wow! I'm not sure if they were like <laughs> sort of like lip syncing their. Mm. Uh, trumpets or whatever brass (laughs) instruments they had because they were very, like, very clearly professional dancers, Mm. like these two guys, um, slinking around all over her. (laughs) And then they also had mics at some point. I'm like, wow, these guys are true triple threats or they aren't really playing these instruments. So it was hard to tell. Uh, um, so I'm, I'll am i have to research that. And Jessie danced. She did choreo. Um, do you remember had, when we talked to her for the podcast about the new album? Remember how she had to be a little cagey about what she was planning for a live show, but right. she was obviously super excited about, yeah. you know, touring this album. Yeah, and uh, I think she, you know, sort of made her dreams come true. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I was thrilled to see her. And uh, if you if you get a chance to see her, she doesn't play very much in America um, just because, you know, it's, it's sort of a different, you know, different kind of uh, vibe here as compared to the U.K., which is, you know, where she's most famous at. Mm-hmm. But if you get a chance to see her, my goodness, Do it. try to see her. Maybe the pink Jesse Ware double bill someday. That would be fun. I'd be all about it. <laughs> that would be great. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, also, by the way, uh, when she was on stage, Jesse Ware called out just sort of randomly. She's like, my friend Amber Riley is in the audience. Oh, wow. And, you know, we've become, you know, great friends. And, and she was like, I also feel a little bit sort of. She, she, I, she, I don't know exactly how she framed it, but she basically said, like, I feel a little sheepish, like sheepish singing in front of her because oh. she has such an amazing voice. <laughs> Do you think they became friends when she was on the West End, Amber? I don't know. Because she was there for Dreamgirls and actually won an Olivier Award for yeah. her performance. I'm, I, I, she may have said how they knew each other. I, the, I, where I was sitting or I was standing, there's no sitting there. Um, <laughs> I couldn't really hear exactly what she said, but mm. I'm like, 
I looked behind me. I'm like, is Amber really like, behind is me? <laughs> everyone, everyone was like looking, is she That's here? That's so funny. But I mean, I don't know how they got to know one another. Hmm. But yeah, who knew that they were friends? Um, before we move on to another lovely pop lady, uh, a few large albums in the mix currently. We have <laughs> Drake's For All the Dogs, which came out last week. Finally. And will impact next week's charts. We assume it'll be a, it'll make a big, splashy debut. Yes, we will We will assume that. There's Keith's prediction, his prognostication. And then Bad Bunny came out of the thin air and announced an album as well coming. It's not this Friday, though. Next Friday? Or is oh, it this Friday? Some, I thought it was this Friday. Well, goodness. Let me double check before I what, say what that. What kind of hosts are we about a, a, a One pop? moment. Oh, yes, you're correct. It comes out on Friday, October 13th. And should I attempt the album title on the air? Only if you feel confident in Let's your Let's try it and, you know. I mean, it's Nadie Sabe Lo Que Va A Pasar Mañana. And that translates to Nobody Knows What Will Happen Tomorrow. Apparently, no one knows when the Bad Bunny album is coming out except for Bad Bunny. Except, yeah, he knew. He, October I mean, 13th. He could have just waited until like Thursday night and been like, surprise. <laughs> but he, he's actually given us a few days warning. I'm sure Drake is like, thanks for not coming last week, buddy. Appreciate it. I wonder if like, I wonder if. Uh, they collude at all. I mean, they're friends. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say maybe they did. I mean, he, they're collaborators. And uh, of course, Bunny was just on our Billboard Latin Music Awards last week. He performed his new song, Un Preview, which is on this album um, and took home. The second most awards of the night to Peso Pluma. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you remember when uh, Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney colluded to make sure that their albums weren't? Yes, that was very public collusion. I mean, he like thanked her for <laughs> moving, stepping aside for a week to give him like a moment or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like she went a week earlier, right? Isn't that what ended up happening? Yeah. 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 She, I think I think she she pushed And then up. she was still number one both weeks, but you know. You know. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if, look- she she gave it like look try to beat my second week yeah <laughs> good luck to you I'm like I I, I moved <laughs> uh, now I think it's time for the pop woman of the hour well now it's time for our interview with Kylie Minogue uh, the global pop superstar returns to the podcast to chat all about her new album Tension which debuted at number one on Billboard's top dance electronic albums chart. And earned her largest sales week for an album in the United States in nearly 20 years. Amidst uh, the whirlwind of promotion she's been hard at work on since May for the album, she says she's, quote, grateful for this moment and so excited for the music and what is unfolding, end quote. Uh, in our chat, which occurred backstage at the Grammy Museum here in Los Angeles after I moderated the museum's program, a conversation with Kylie Minogue in their intimate sold-out Clive Davis Theater. We also uh, talk about her upcoming shows at the Club Voltaire in Las Vegas and what to expect, how she's eager to start making more music with her tension collaborators, especially since she has her own home studio set up, and more stuff. So uh, <laughs> here's our chat with Kylie Minogue. Welcome back to the Pop Shop Podcast, Kylie Minogue. Thank you. Um, we're actually at the Grammy Museum backstage. Um, I will say that I just moderated a lovely conversation with it you on stage. It was so nice. 
Ah, uh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, you um, did great. We were great. Well, well, you were the we star were of the show. We were a good team. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of people actually said very kind things to me as they were on their well, way Well, there out. you go. Yes. See? Let's make it happen again. <laughs> um, we're doing it right now. So I want to say congratulations on your incredible success on the Billboard charts in America. Number one on our Top Dance Electronic Albums chart. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but the people listening are going to hear it for the first time. It was your biggest sales week for an album in basically 20 years. I mean, that's a lot of information to unpack. I know isn't it's it? a lot of numbers and statistics, which I know that artists aren't generally well, focused no, on. Well, just the twenty-year part. Yeah, which was not the start of my career. That was no. kind of the middle. So, from me, where my mind goes when you say that is kind of all over the place. Like. Okay, so that was Can't Get You Out of My Head from Fever. Yeah, I think it was the next was album. Which yeah. yeah. It's wild. Crazy. It's wild. I do want to, I, I want to make this sort of forward looking um, because now that we have the album to enjoy, I want to ask about the Vegas show. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but people listening to this will, they weren't here in the room. Um, it was a very, um, <clears throat> it was a very compact Yes, only 200 people inside the room at the Grammy Museum. But you have your residency at the Voltaire in Vegas coming up in November. Mm -hmm. I believe there are right now maybe 20 shows that are announced up through next May. Mm -hmm. Um, Only a thousand seats, I believe. So it's very intimate. It's so exclusive, my gosh. Um, And you're going to go into rehearsals like in a a couple days, a week or so? A couple of weeks' time, yeah. Um, What can we expect? Lasers, confetti, balloons? Fog. Um, fog. I don't know. Fog. <laughs> Dry eyes. Scantily clad dancers. Uh-huh. Well, I can't. Well, first, I can't exactly tell you. Yes, you Be- can. Why I can't? It's just billboard. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> no, the reason I can't tell you is that we, the the venue is still being built. Still being finished. Like this is gonna be whoever's there opening night, opening weekend. The whole organism will be figuring itself out, like from, goodness, you know, servers and you know the bar and just all of it. So it's going to be everyone's going to be wildly excited and probably pretty on edge. Um, but what can people expect? I just, I mean, for our. Um, chat tonight here at the Grammy Museum, 200 people. So as you mentioned on stage, five times that. Um, super tiny. Super, super tiny. I think it will feel, I think it will feel just like with enough scope, enough kind of wow. Yeah. With, just in the to room. To reference yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a selection of songs from throughout the years. It's not going to be you know, just, it's not on, just like on, a tension, just a tension train, uh, but the love train, the, the love train, Sorry, but there will be, uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that already we've got Padam, tension, hold on to now has already made itself known yeah. and you know, whatever else we may or may not do or do or don't have time for. And you you hinted uh, in our chat earlier that the set list perhaps could could evolve over time, perhaps. Maybe I there might so, be so, because yeah. um, Don't those, worry, like also shows... don't hold her to that if she does like I'm not <laughs> trying to tease something that is incorrect. Well, it's over a number of months, so mm. 
I there could be another I album. Do lo- <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't get me started. I would love to be back in the studio. I mean, you've heard how I feel about it and how I feel about my main co-writers and just I feel like we're we've just kind of tapped into something that I'd love to explore more. So, hey, I don't think I'll be that fast, but I do think I'll start working on it. The way the way artists work now, it feels like especially because you have your own sort of home studio, you can record yourself at home. Artists now have this luxury and this flexibility not to have to, oh, I'm going to have to book a studio and pay lots of money and Mm -hmm. I'm on the clock. Now you can just do something at home when the spirit moves you and then maybe just send off a file to someone. Yeah. You know? Send them, you know, send them a message, incoming, expect Magic. Blah, blah, blah. Expect <laughs> yeah. magic to arrive or, in your inbox. Or turn it into magic you, if it yes. isn't. Um, well, I don't think, I'm pretty sure it's all going to be pretty magical. I think I, sen- I only send stuff that's fit to be there sent. You know, like, here, uh, this is terrible. Can you make it better? No, uh, that's not happening. You know what? There's there's some people I work with, the, the team I talk about a lot, that I actually could send something that was terrible. Just here's the idea or just mm-hmm. to get us going. I would feel comfortable with that. With, with those people, but certainly not with everyone. Right. Um, I, I was curious, you know, what you earlier tonight we were talking about how you were looking forward to seeing you two's Sphere show. Yeah. A coworker of mine who's actually the other host of the podcast, she couldn't be here tonight. She was very upset by that. Um, but she saw opening night of you two's Sphere show. And we were talking about like, gosh, who would be some amazing artists that could play here? And I think the kind of artist that can play there has to be someone that has a lot of visuals. And though you do have your own residency right now, uh, have you thought about like, hmm, I wonder, like I'm, <laughs> you're friendly with Bono and you two. Yeah. Um, do you already have plans to see their show perhaps? I do. Or were you already there and I just didn't? <laughs> no, I haven't. Not there yet, but I would definitely like to see it. Hey, it's it's attached to the, to Venetian. the Venetian, so handy. Wait, are you, I wonder. Do you do you have overlapping evenings where they're playing and you're playing as well? That would be crazy. Um, we'll have to check the schedule on that. We have to check the schedule, but like I you don't definitely have I, I'll see them during my rehearsal period, so I know I can. You know, I'm not. Expected on stage. Well, yes. Also, I'm not until around eleven fifteen at night, so I could also see you a show okay. and then do my show. I think you just you just revealed something. Oh. I don't know if we knew that. It's late night. The experience starts at nine thirty, I believe. Yes. And so there's there's some other events that happen before you arrive. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Mm. The plot thickens. Am I? I will ask this, and then you can just demure and say you can't answer it. Will we get sort of a full length? Um, concert experience from Kylie? It will be different to a normal concert. Ooh, I love I this. Think. I love this cryptic answer. Yeah. Um, no, my my shows normally, you know, 2, 2.15, depends how much I get chatting or, you know, decide to do songs that were not supposed to be there. So it's going to be m- more snug. Yes. Then, then it will still be a magical experience. I think it's yeah. going to feel um, because we're so close. I, to be revealed, I mean, yeah. I haven't done this kind of show before, um, but I think being that close and that intimate in that environment, I think it's going to feel kind of 
more than what it might be on paper. Okay. Um, something I didn't ask earlier, but I meant to ask, so I'll ask it now for mm -hmm. the Billboard audience, is this going to preclude you from doing your own sort of traveling tour? Do you still want to go on the road? Do you have plans? She's nodding yes. I'm nodding. So that, <laughs> that, that may be something in the future that we could look forward to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I see Vegas as a very specific show and experience mm -hmm. enhanced by and limited by its surrounds. It is a performance within the Voltaire yeah. Club and um, to be this involved at the inception of this club, which will you know hopefully be there for many, many years with lots of different artists performing there. But I do feel especially um, attached to it because – I've, I've known about it since its inception and I'm part of, of the opening. Um, but my tour, that would be different again and a very different uh, sensation for me and for the audience. So, yeah, I would love to go on tour again. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I was telling anyone that wanted to listen to me earlier uh, – you know, how enthusiastic I am of a, of a fan. I'm like, I realize I'm like, I'm just, I am a journalist at the same time. I'm also like, I'm also a rabbit. <laughs> fan. But I've, uh -huh. I, I remember um, speaking to you for the first time at the Billboard Music Awards in 2011. Mm -hmm. And um, that was during the Aphrodite tour. And I remember knowing that the water features from the Aphrodite tour are not coming to America. Mm -hmm. So I needed to fly to London. So I flew to London just for the weekend to see you at the O2. Oh. And I have to say that it truly was magical. So those that are listening mm -hmm. absolutely need to see Kylie in whatever venue she is in. <laughs> and if she comes to your city, go see her. Because oh, it truly, I mean, you. it truly is like... Well, it, it always is, I mean... Maybe all artists feel this way about their audience, but it's so special. We're all there. It's it's very like chicken and egg. Well, I'm coming with energy. They're coming with energy. We're all coming with energy and expectations and hopes and, you know, release and all sorts of stuff. Um, so slight sidebar, but Aphrodite is a show that everyone was saying, this is a Vegas show. Yeah. But that's not the Vegas show that I'm doing. We're kind of flipping it on its head. So no water features is what's no happening. No water features. Um, that said, I need to dial this back in because you have other things to do. I do. Well, I you, do. Need, you need to go. I need some beauty sleep is what yes. I need. You, you need, you, frankly, you need to take a vacation because you have been giving us and giving us nothing but like pop goodness for, well, for a long time. For a long but time. But specifically for this album cycle, you've been going nonstop since like May. Well, we made a conscious decision to go for it and uh, the entire entire team's been working really hard but Muggins here <laughs> has really I don't know I'm so I feel so grateful for this moment and so excited for the music and 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 what is unfolding people's experience with the music and and how they're making it their own and really welcoming it into their lives that how could I not give extra, you know, I mean, it's kind of my default anyway. I mean, you but could, you could easily not do any of this. You could easily just not sleep ever well, well, again. I mean, in the sense of like all this press <laughs> that you're doing, you don't necessarily, the, the fact that you're doing it is very kind. And that means I think you actually enjoy doing it to a certain extent. And you also love the record and you're so passionate about it. So, well, and especially after the last album being 
released through well, there's lockdown. That too. So I think there's there's kind of an extra unspoken um, desire and energy behind that to just to, to connect and to 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 share it with people. Well, I appreciate you connecting with me. Uh, today. Thank you so much for and hosting today sure. and for this chat. Yeah. And uh, thank you again for this. And I look forward to seeing you at Voltaire and perhaps on the road. And I look forward to that next album that you're probably making right now in your home studio. Well, watch this space. Thank you, Kylie. <laughs> uh, thank you again to Kylie Minogue. She's just as warm, wonderful, kind, and lovely as you hope her to be. And I was thrilled not only to get to sit down with Kylie in person for the podcast, but also to moderate what was almost an hour-long conversation with her in front of 200 people. That is some quality time with one of your favorite pop stars right there. That's amazing. Anyway. I love it. And you should all go to Keith's Instagram and see their lovely photo oh, together. Yes, we got a photo together. That will likely be his Christmas card I this never, holiday season. I never take photos, <laughs> uh, but the Grammy Museum insisted. That's what they always do they on always the do little it. step and repeat backstage with the moderators. Yeah, yep. But yep. it was fabulous. Very cool. All right. Now it's time for the chart set of the week. Well, 40 years ago this month, our queen, the queen of pop, Madonna, debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 for oh. the very first time. Her first Hot 100 hit, Holiday, debuted on the chart dated October 29th, 1983 at number 88 and would later reach its peak of number 16 on the January 28th, 1984 dated chart. In her 40 years on the Hot 100, she's racked up 58 hits on the list. Of those, 49 have reached the top 40, and of those, 38 were top 10s, with 12 of them going all the way to number one. She most recently hit the chart earlier this year with Popular, her co-build track with The Weeknd and Playboy Cardi, two names that you probably never thought Madonna would be, you know, on the same song with. But, you know, Madonna is always... Keeping us guessing. Yes. With Madonna's celebration tour slated to launch this Saturday. This weekend. At the O2 Arena in London. Katie, which of Madonna's hits do you hope to hear on this tour? Oh, my gosh. This isn't well, even a quiz, Katie. It's just, hey, what songs would you like to hear? Because this I, is supposed to be a career-spanning tour. Yeah. You know, I was so thrilled when we went to the Madame X tour that I got to see Like a Prayer, because that's probably my favorite I like, Madonna say hit. Like a prayer. But um, it was a little bit of like a stripped back version of it, you know, uh, as the whole Madame X tour was. Right, so right. I would love to see a big production around Like a Prayer. Um, having said that, I have lots of other Madonna favorites, too. So I'm trying to like rack my brain for what else. I mean, like my favorite ballad of hers is um, Crazy for You. No, like, that'd be great. That'd be really nice. Um, uh, I don't know. I just am excited about this tour. I mean, I, I just I just am excited for it to happen, for it to kick off. Me too. Billboard I will be there. Yes, Bill. Who's going to be there? Joe Lynch. Joe Lynch. My counterpart in New York will be there in London for the first concert. So well, look for all of our coverage on Billboard.com. Keith Caulfield may also be there as well. 
Really? Um, probably. Maybe. You're going to be in the in the country, so yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, if all, all okay, si- Billboard is all over that show. Then all signs point to most likely. Oh I my gosh! Amazing. Yes. That's exciting. Uh, it, it'll be the third time that I've been to an opening night of a Madonna. Tour, wow, that's very cool. Which I kind of forgot. I was I was at opening night of uh, the Confessions tour. Okay. And I think another one that I'm now c- completely blanking on. Which I'll think of in the next few minutes. Going to opening night of a tour is an interesting thing because you truly do not know what to expect. Oh yeah, and it's almost overwhelming in in the in its secrecy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. each new thing that happens, especially if you're covering. Now, thankfully, Joe's got you covered, Keith, so you can just enjoy. Um, but like, I know, for instance, just the U2 concert I got to go to a couple weeks ago. Like, I truly had no idea what the set list was going to be, what I was going to see, what was going to happen. You know, so it's. <sighs> Wild. I saw opening night of Reinvention, uh, the Reinvention tour in 2004, mm. uh, and the Confessions tour, uh, the, which was the very next tour. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what to expect, and no one does. Yeah, especially just because this tour and and Madonna herself has sort of you know gone through it you know this yeah. year, and so I'm just happy that Madonna is apparently healthy and recuperating mm-hmm. and. Um, I frankly, she could just sort of stand there and have people dance around her. I'll be fine with that. Exactly. We just want to see you. We We just want to see the concert. We just want to. We just want to know that you're okay, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We you shall hear all about it. Hopefully next week on the show. Yay! All right. uh, So there you have it. (laughs) Let me wrap this up. (laughs) Forty years ago this month, Madonna made her Hot 100 debut with "Holiday," the first of her now 58 hits on the list, and the beginning of a truly royal run on the chart. Right, we reached the end of our big show. It's a it's a packed packed episode. Pete, yes, Jesse Ware, Madonna Ch- talk, Kylie Minogue is on the show, talking about Drake and Bad Bunny and In Sync. And next week we'll talk about Madonna, and we'll also likely talk about the Taylor Swift movie that's coming out this weekend too. Oh my God, I saw a. I was looking at. I did not know this, but I was looking at a, a like a box office. Uh, like a forecasting uh-huh. story because I was I usually I enjoy reading about box office weekend earnings. Yes, and you uh, don't say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was interested to see how the Exorcist movie oh. did. Um, I guess it underperformed, which, which it moved up a week because of the Taylor Swift movie. It was originally supposed to come out this weekend. Yes, and uh, apparently there's still billboards that have the wrong date on oh, it. Oh, do we think that people didn't know it was coming mm-hmm. out when it did? I That's mean, interesting. Who knows? But in this story, it said. Because Taylor's movie is tracking to do like over a hundred million. Yeah, I'm like, is that just domestically? Yeah, like, that's like that's that's like I don't. That's superhero movie. That's like yes, that's it's Marvel. like Avengers, Marvel, yes. Pixar, like yeah. insanity. Yeah, are you going? Yes, but I'm like, we've seen it. <laughs> Like we've literally seen I'm it actually, twice. You know what I'm most curious about is what is not in the movie because it's it's like two hour twenty minute runtime and the concert was more than three hours. Oh, so it'll be interesting to see what is abridged. That's what I'm actually like looking toward. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's anything new in it? Maybe like a new song. Well, you mean like beyond what was performed at yeah. the Eras tour? I guess. Like I mean, an, it was all shot like in, here in, in LA. Song. That she wrote um, specifically for the film. <laughs> oh, that's possible. Oscar contender. <laughs> could this be a documentary? Uh, it could be. We'll see. 
We'll find out. Yeah, I'm actually curious to see also about how much offstage kind of activity oh, there like, is. Right. You know, Behind her talking backstage, et cetera. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about it. I love the way my mind is just suddenly reverts to, so what awards would this be contending uh, for? Beep, beep, I don't beep. think it would make sense for her to just tack on an end credit song. I don't think that's really what the Oscars look for particularly. Like, they look for things that are narratively... Makes sense, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then, like, what, like a month after that, we have a Beyonce uh, film. Yep. And don't forget 1989, re-record in the middle of between those two. <laughs> and that Christmas album. Uh, you. <laughs> Just I'm gonna keep on, keep on uh, hoping, wishing, dreaming. Okay, uh, what song should we go out on? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about a lot. Actually, you know what I want to go out on, Keith? A Jesse Ware song. Oh. Talk to me. Which one should we do? Ooh. Uh, well, maybe What's Your Pleasure or uh, Spotlight or <laughs> um, Free Yourself or, or Pearls or, or That Feels Good. <laughs> Ooh. We can do That Feels Good. <laughs> okay. Title track of All the right. new album. See you guys next time. Bye. That Feels Good.